0: Hey, everyone. This is Krista with episode number 32 on the Wag Out Loud podcast. I wanted to quickly talk about something very serious, and I hope this is of help to someone out there. Last week, my dog Winston, who is a 15-pound terrier, was severely bitten by a German shepherd. This happened while Winston was at the pet sitter's. He ran out of their house into the driveway and saw the German shepherd walking by, And the shepherd was on a leash, but as a typical terrier, Winston ran to go say hi to the shepherd. And feeling threatened, the other dog grabbed Winston by his abdomen and shook him. Winston got four deep bite wounds, tubes put in for drainage, and lots of stitches. He was in a lot of pain, but he is gonna be okay and is healing nicely. It could have been much worse. I just wanted to share this with you as a reminder that for the safety of our pups, we need to make sure that we always have control of our dogs when outside and in public. There are so many things out there that can get our dog's attention, and to keep them safe, we always need to remember to either keep them on a leash And I would also encourage all dogs to be taught to have a perfect recall, meaning always come when they're called. And it's really for their own safety. Thanks for listening. And now for today's canine fun fact. If never spayed or neutered, a female dog, her mate, and their puppies could produce over 66,000 dogs in six years. Welcome to the Wag Out Loud podcast, where we are obsessed with bringing you helpful tips on canine health care, nutrition, and overall well being. If you'd like to support the show, check out the products and resources that I personally recommend on the Wag Out Loud website. I'm your host, Krista Karpowicz, and I'm super excited to be bringing you yet another tail wagging episode. Hello, everyone. Today we are going to learn about the benefits of massage for your dog. And I am so excited to have Jennifer Robertson on the show with us today. She is a small animal massage practitioner in the Los Angeles area, and her company is I Work for Dogs love that name, (laughs) and Jennifer studied at the Northwest School of Animal Massage near Seattle and has also studied acupressure as well. Jennifer, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Well, I can't wait to hear about this topic, the benefits of massage for your dog. Let's first talk about how did you get started in this field? Uh, I just stumbled upon
1: it on the internet and thought, what, you know, like most people do to me now, I thought, what, what is this? And I thought this could be super fun, right? How, how cool could that be? And then as I got more into it, I realized, okay, this is a, this is serious. I mean, this is something that you study for, you learn about the muscles and the nervous system and all, all that kind of stuff with relating to animals and how massage can benefit them um, from day one until through the end of their lives. So it it was a lot more serious than I thought. I'm glad that I didn't know that in the beginning because I probably would have moved on from the article. But when I started really getting into it and reading it, I thought, you know, this, I, I've always been drawn to helping animals. I grew up that way. I grew up it with a grandmother who helped every living creature that we came upon. And so it was sort of in my nature. And I knew somehow I would end up working with animals, whether it was at a younger age or at retirement. I didn't know. But when I saw this and got more into it and learned more about it, I just it just sort of became an instant, this is what I'm going to do. I just knew it. I was drawn to it.
0: Don't you love those moments in life?
1: I know. it's It was eye-opening. It was I've never felt that way. I thought you know, I'll work in an office, I'll do real estate, I'm going to be an architect. And you just sort of float around. And it wasn't like that when I read about this. And the more I read the benefits of it for not only the practitioner, me, but the animals, I mean, that's really what you're focusing on. It's just all encompassing. I thought this, this is what I was called to do. It was so clear.
0: (laughs) Yay. That's great. Yeah. Well, how would you define massage? I have
1: this sort of, uh, I think maybe one or two sentences on my website that massage is touch with intent. When I introduce myself to someone or someone meets me and they say, oh, your dog masseuse. Yay. My dog loves it when I pet him. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the same. Massage is something where you're intentionally putting pressure on the muscles or, or whatever it is that you're focusing on and trying to make a change for the positive in the animal. So yeah, it's great when you scratch their heads and their necks and you're doing something on the surface. It's more like, yeah, get your husband to massage your feet. Yay. Mm -hmm. That's not the same as when you go to a massage practitioner, you get deeper, you get, it's a lot more therapeutic, you get more out of it. So that's how I describe massage now. That's not how I used to before I got, before I studied it. But right. definitely, it has, there's an intention
0: behind what I do. And why do you think dogs need it?
1: Dogs and uh, and I have cat clients as well. Um, and I've also talked to people who've massaged guinea pigs and you know, the family pet. <laughs> um, isn't that hysterical? Yeah. Um, because we can put it on a more s- a surface level where it can help them with anxiety and uh, it bonds you. And bond you with that animal as soon as you touch an animal there is a chemical change in their bodies and with us it's very subtle but it's a bonding moment so we can look at it from that perspective or we can look at it from how we're helping with the circular the circulatory system how we're um, relaxing or even stimulating the, muscle, the the muscles in the body active dogs you know people have show dogs they have working dogs um, Dogs that do, uh, you know, those things where they jump over in those training things, they jump over all those obstacle courses and agility. Mm-hmm. Um, those dogs are really pushing themselves. And just like us, their muscles are going to get sore or they're going to suffer maybe an acute injury or over long term they might have arthritis. And mm-hmm. if we think about how it would help us to help massage ourselves when we're doing these things, it is exactly the same for an animal. So that those are just some examples of how massage helps your
0: dog. So if you're saying it's like for us, then we can also assume it'd be good for them for relaxation, managing pain. Exactly. Um, maybe accelerating the healing process after they've had an injury or surgery 100%.
1: And that's a rehabilitative massage, so there's a different approach and and I want and I do I should state this. This is not I can't give medical advice and I work with vets. So I'm mm-hmm. not replacing veterinary medicine, but what massage does is it supports what the veterinary the the vet has prescribed for your dog. So if there is an injury or a chronic problem, say like hip dysplasia or arthritis. Massage reduces that pain. It can stimulate the release of endorphins. That's going to help your dog mentally. We can move fluids so the bruising can go down. Um, Inflammation management. Um, The tension. Tension is huge with regard to our muscles. So when our muscles are tight, there's so many, it's like like branches off into all the things that can cause problems in our bodies. We're restricting our blood vessels, the nerves, and that alone can cause pain. So dogs that are also older that don't get up and move, and so maybe their their legs are bent, their elbows and their knees are bent, that shortens our muscles. Well, that's obviously not good. So in a dog like that, I'm going to want to lengthen their muscles. I'm going to want to stretch them out because that's what healthy muscles, that's the state that muscles need to be in to be healthy. And we need to open these pathways so that all the good stuff, all the nutrients, the blood, the oxygen, and even we—you re, know removing metabolic waste, that has to flow through freely. So there are all different kinds of ways that you can come and look at it depending on what's going on with your dog.
0: Right. And you mentioned also the emotional benefits. The
1: emotional benefits are are huge. And one thing that I mean it can bring tears to my eyes. I've had dogs that, and sometimes it is the dogs that are in pain that have the the dysplasias or the the elderly with the the really bad arthritis, and they are in pain and they're and they're not super mobile. And when I establish a relationship with them and they know that I'm coming, that dog, maybe that dog isn't mobile so he doesn't get up. He is in his bed wagging his tail, and you can you can see the change in their face when they're uh, like I'm going to get tears in my eyes thinking about Mm -hmm. the joy (laughs) that I bring to them. I mean, that's why I said it's so beneficial for me as well. The joy that I bring to an animal when I walk in and they are so looking forward to their massage, it's mind blowing. And I, I have one client. She told me the other day her dog is not doing well and it's very sad. I mean, he's a little bit older and he's got some issues that we're dealing with, but she tells him, Jennifer's coming. Jennifer's coming. And she, he just knows Jennifer is the one that's going to massage him and make him feel happy. And he gets so excited that his whole demeanor changes before I even show up. That, that's incredible to me. And that doesn't usually happen on day one. And it may not happen with a dog that's suffering in a lot of pain. They have to come to realize that you know I'm not coming in to stick them with needles and you know, pull their arms and legs and manipulate them in ways that bring them pain. I'm there, and they they connect the dots that after they saw me, they felt good. And the next time they realize, yes, I really do like it when this person comes. It's quite right. amazing. It's life changing actually.
0: Mm, I love it. I know. And I guess if you're so up close and personal with their bodies that, you know, if there's a new lump or bump or a sore, or if they flinch when you touch a certain spot, that probably seeks out thing issues that are underlying that the pet parent maybe didn't even know about.
1: Well, that is something, like I was kind of writing notes on some of the things that, that I do and it's part of my job. And it, especially when we're starting with a younger dog or a healthy dog. Me coming in on a regular basis and if it's you know palpating their body, I go through from the head, the ears, the neck, all the way down to their toes, and I and I feel their body. And I as I do a pass through, I put a little more pressure, and I'm getting more detailed. And I do find a new lump, a new lump that was on the spine that wasn't there uh, two weeks ago. Or or I'll find a spot on the hip where, uh, you know, I I, I just lightly touch this area and the dog pulls their leg away. That's Mm -hmm. concerning. Or I'll feel a spot in that same area where it's warm. So there could be some inflammation. And the parents will say, well, yeah, over the weekend, we were at the river and the dog ran 24-7 for the whole weekend, but he was super happy. Well, something could have happened. And so now I'm here doing a massage. And yeah, now your dog's flinching when he's in a super relaxed state. Might be time to go maybe see the vet. So I do notice sort of as like a health checkup. That's another side of it that people don't even think about. Here I am on a really regular, usually my clients are real scheduled. So I see them quite regularly and I do notice these new lumps or maybe a lipoma. Most of the time it's nothing, but sometimes it could be something and it should Mm -hmm. be looked at and they would never notice it. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic.
0: And can you tell us what really is the difference between massage on humans, you know, hot stone, Swedish, aromatherapy, <laughs> deep tissue, shiatsu. What's the difference between all the different massage modalities that we have as humans versus what is done on dogs?
1: Some of them are similar. Um, they might have different names and I and I never studied massage on humans. But um, one thing that I have to do that's different than massaging a person is I have to, I have to be completely present and in tune with that dog the entire time. So if I'm doing a light massage, so we can start with effleurage. So that's, um, Maybe I think it's called the petting stroke. So you are putting some pressure on, um, but you're warming up the muscles and sort of moving back and forth and cr- maybe creating a little bit of friction. So we're warming up maybe the joints, depending on what's going on, I'll focus in different areas. If I'm totally drifting or I had a fight with my husband and I'm just in a bad mood, my car broke down and I am not paying attention whatsoever, but my hands are going through the motion. Nine times out of 10, that dog's going to probably stand up in the middle of massage and say, I want to go outside. We're not connecting. I have to be present because that dog is connecting with me. And what's going through my hands, from my mind through my hands, is going into that dog. Um, So there's so many different modalities that you can do, like different types of Eastern ways of approaching animals and Reiki, things like that. So that's all energy. And that comes through as well through the massage. So I have to be very present and I have to be in tune with how sensitive the dog is. And if the dog pulls its leg away and I'm not really paying attention, I may think he's just adjusting himself. Well, really, I hit a spot that I should have noticed that's a trigger point or there's a problem there. So that is something that with people, if a person's laying on the table, they can say, oh, my back is sore. A dog isn't going to do that to me. So everything is how I read the dog. So that's a difference. And then directly related to the different types of massage, most everything is going to be a little more gentle. I don't ever want to put too much pressure on an animal. Um, I think if I did uh, my deep tissue, if I would call it, massage on you. What I would do on a dog, you would say I didn't really get much out of it. It would be just a very gentle massage. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are so many different things you can do, like from compression. Compression helps with pain. So if we're going to sort of block that pain receptor into the brain, we can do compression very light, you know, sort of blocking it and massaging those areas to stop that pain from going up into the brain or friction or flicking. Like I can, like if you're brushing dust off your pants, that's, um, one of the massages that you can do to an animal to stimulate, uh, the nervous system or to change their brain. If they're not focused on me, I can do tapping just sort of like you would pat, like maybe you're playing the drums on your thigh. That will actually engage the dog's brain to refocus itself. So if it's uncomfortable with me, I can do some light tapping along. Um, I like to do like along the rib cage. Because it's a real safe area. And it refocuses their energy back to me. So there's different tricks you can do. And there. And I don't know if that is the same thing that I, would happen. I've never had a massage therapist tap my back like that before <laughs> or no, do I'm like not- sort of skin brushing. <laughs> yeah. So there are some differences, but, you know, nothing drastic.
0: Right. And what could one expect from their dog's first massage treatment? What would that look like?
1: So depending on what is going on with the dog. So if we're going to just talk about your average la- family Labrador that doesn't have anything obvious, um, when I come for the first time, I'm really trying to establish a relationship with the dog. So I always, I, I would say always, I have yet to do anything off the floor. I always sit on the floor with the dog, um, let them smell me. I talk to them. I put my hands on them just like I would at the beginning of any massage. I sort of stroke them a little bit and I give it a little bit more pressure. And if they will let me, I will lift their limbs, manipulate their limbs, what we would call their a wrist or an elbow and see what the dog is comfortable with and where we're going. What is the dog going to want? And if I can, I try to get a really light massage in there and cover the entire body. And that also, I'm evaluating him at the same time. So Mm. if the parents say, you know, maybe he slowed down and they don't know why they haven't gone to the vet to see that there's like a, something obvious like arthritis, me manipulating their body, they're going to start to show as, as we do it, we're in a real calm, slow state so that they trust me. They might start to show something that's underlying to me. Like I said, if I, if I'm lifting up their arm and doing a range of motion, like a light stretch and then moving the carpus or their, their wrist around, um, and he flinches, "Hmm," you know, that's something that we might want to take note of. Now let's, see how he walks. Now let's look real carefully at how he walks. Is he, does he have a limp? Is he favoring another leg? So we're going to start putting puzzle pieces together, just building, sort of building that foundation. And sometimes the first session, the dog um, gets up a lot, uh, likes to go get water, likes to come back and sniff me. Then he'll lay down, then he might sit. The first sessions can be a little bit, a little bit like, we're here and there, just a little chaotic in that way. After I establish that though, and they, they want to move forward with massage, the second session can be completely different. And so I've established a trust.
0: Right. And how long are the sessions usually and, and how frequently should a dog get a massage session?
1: My regular clients, we usually work up to a every other week session. That's That's kind of my goal. And if the dog has established really their They've plateaued out with their health. Everything's good. We can go monthly. Most of mine are every other week. Depending on why I'm there, I could see a dog uh, in the first week every three days. Then we'll move to every seven days. And then we'll do that for a little bit. And as the dog's improving, and hopefully they're doing other things as well. Maybe they're doing acupuncture. Maybe they're doing water therapy. Or maybe they're on meds and recovering from surgery. So depending on why I'm there, we'll stretch it out as needed. And then, really, a good maintenance routine, in my opinion, and what I've seen with my clients, is every other week. And so that kind of keeps that keeps we don't get too much time to where what we've built up to, uh, we're going to lose any of that. We're just going to maintain and. And just keep that going, keep the muscles loose, keep the range of motion, the muscles stretch so nothing retracts
0: back to where we were on day one. And I think you mentioned it, but you do go to people's homes uh, to do this. So is it usually on the floor or in the dog's bed? Both. Where do you perform? Okay. I, I, have, I have
1: a couple of dogs. I think it depends on the dog's comfort level. There are some, I think there's some breeds. Like it seems Labradors love to lay on their floors, like a hard wooden floor. I don't know why. And then some dogs, they want to be on the couch. I have some that just have their favorite spot on the couch or their dog bed. It's really just their lifestyle. And the reason I go to their home, which I think is kind of important is because I want to be where the dog is going to be the most relaxed. I do have clients sometimes, um, and mostly they're the geriatric clients. But they will come to my house because I have a dog bed and I have blankets that I change over, and they can lay there because I know that dog's not really necessarily going to be distracted in my home because, you know, they're not; they don't care anymore. They're 16, 17, 18 years old that's not their concern they just want to feel better So with those clients I'm not too concerned about the distractions but in the dog's home is where they're happiest they're in their favorite bed sometimes they have their favorite toy in their mouth the whole time I'm doing it um, and then they can get up and get a drink of water and go in their backyard take a little potty break So it, it is that does play into it It's really hard to massage a dog like if I do if I go to a charity event and they want me to massage them at the event, uh, the dogs are so distracted, it almost looks like massage doesn't work on dogs because the dog is sniffing other dogs walking by or barking at people. And so it's really important that we're in a comfortable, a nice, comfortable, cozy place that the dog is happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after their session, are they energized or relaxed? What What is the typical reaction? After? I, I
1: get both and it depends on why i'm there and sometimes at the towards the end of the massage i will wrap it up with strokes that are energizing i'll try to stimulate the nervous system so this is a dog that needs to be out going on a walk he needs to be out in the backyard moving around he's been in recovery things are stiff he needs to get up and walk so i might do some stimulating Um, like the the friction strokes where we're stimulating the nerves and and the nervous system and really getting the blood flowing and, and getting them a little bit more excited. And then there are some dogs that I end the massage, maybe the last 10, oh, we didn't cover the time frame, but the last 10 minutes, I'm doing things to really bring their energy down and so that they'll stay in their bed and that they're calm and relaxed and they're going to go to sleep. There are some dogs that their medications are keeping them up all night. They're not getting regular sleep. And so the goal is to really, really relax them. So there could be, it just depends. Each one's different. And to touch Mm -hmm. on what you had asked me before, my sessions last, most generally, they're an hour. A a small dog can go a half hour and be perfectly fine. But if we're going to take several breaks, maybe he gets up you know, and walks outside and we're talking to the owner for 10 minutes outside. Well, I want to go a little bit longer than a half hour because we're not focused on the dog for a half hour. So I do, I do generally say it's an hour massage. Okay. The dog, the larger dogs are always an hour. Yeah.
0: And are there any instances when dogs should not re- receive massage?
1: Depending on maybe what the injury is, if there's inflammation or if the dog's really sick, I don't I don't want to put my hands on an injury around an injury. I also don't want to encourage fluid movement if there is an infection, obvious signs like that. So I will, if a client calls me and they say their dog's not feeling well, whatever their reason is, I might. The first thing is, have you seen a vet? Do you have veterinary clearance to come see me? And I did have a dog that uh, I've been seeing for quite a while. And then he had a, a little cancer spot that he had to have removed. So he had to have surgery. And the owner told me, yeah, we'd like to get a massage week after surgery. Just to be sure, I know the vet very well. And I the vet knows I'm treating this animal. I called the vet just to make sure he was okay with it. So I don't ever want to encourage Bad things flowing through a dog's body. I don't ever want to move limbs that should not be moving or touching areas that are inflamed or, or, or there could be underlying things I don't even know about. So I do need veterinary clearance before I start to treat a dog, unless the dog's just totally healthy. You know, you've had him he's two years old and you just really think massage would be really great for him for your reasons. I mean, we can discuss the reasons and then go from there. But if mm-hmm. there is something that the client thought they, you know, maybe massage will help with such and such. Well, I need to know what such and such is and that the vet is okay. That massage is okay for that.
0: And do you recommend that people massage their own dog at home? Oh yeah.
1: And of course the, the, the pressure is going to be different. Um, they shouldn't be manipulating the joints and pulling on limbs to stretch them. You, you know, you do have to be careful, but a light massage that you would do, say you're watching TV and the dog laying with his head on your lap, massaging their neck and their shoulders and down their back, not necessarily pressing on any bones like the spine, but that is there are there's nothing bad about that. That's all good. Like I said in the beginning, you're connecting with your dog. Your dog's bonding with you at that moment, and it feels so good. I mean, you're you're just bringing complete happiness to that animal when you're doing that.
0: Well, speaking of happiness, do you have any fun success stories that you can share?
1: I do. I have, well, I mean, they're all fun. I mean, the the sad ones only usually end because there's something very serious or because they're very old. And so the end was coming anyway. And sometimes those stories can be happy as well. I mean, I've done end of life massage and I've been told by the parent that, that last day after that massage and the family time with their dog was the best day of that dog's life the dog was happy and relaxed even though he was sick or dealing with whatever he was dealing with and that that even though it's sad is also it's it just brings me happiness that i brought Just a really happy moment to that dog's last day. But I have helped dogs that uh, a lot of the dogs that I see uh, have the same problems, hip dysplasia or there's a disease in the spinal cord that maybe they're dragging their their feet, the back feet, or degenerative myelopathy, things like that, like veterinary diagnosed things. And I have seen over a long period of time, maybe six months, that now the dog's not dragging his feet like he used to. It's very interesting. Can I explain medically how all this is happening? Not necessarily, but we're changing. We're changing things. Proprioception—the way that the dog's brain is connecting to those back legs—we're really changing the dog's thought processes. So it is quite amazing to see, and and I do see that with my dogs that are dragging their back feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know scientifically why, like because sometimes even the vets can't explain what's causing it. So how can I explain how we're helping it? I don't know, but right. there are positive changes that I, I see. It's fascinating.
0: It is fascinating. That's a great word. Yeah. Jennifer, thank you so much for giving us so much great information. Yeah. I if we say. have listeners in the Los Angeles area, how can they connect with you? They can find me
1: on uh, my website, Iworkfordogs.com. And then my Instagram is the same thing. I work for dogs and my contact information is there.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you for enlightening us. I feel like a massage myself right now. That would be really nice. I know.
1: and you should. You should go get one. Yes, yeah, but
0: I think my dog is more important, so he needs a massage. Probably,
1: and he would thank you for it. He would thank yes, you Yes, he it.
0: would. Jennifer, thank you. I really appreciate your time with us today. Well, thank you, Krista. Thanks for listening to the Wag Out Loud podcast. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to subscribe for free and we'd love to hear your comments. You can find out more by visiting wagoutloud.com and there you'll find great product recommendations and fantastic resources. That's also where you can visit our Bark About It page where you can suggest topics, guests, or products. Please be advised that this show offers health and nutritional information, and is designed for educational purposes only. You are encouraged to do your own research and should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your dog's health, you should always consult with a veterinarian or nutrition expert. I appreciate you. Catch you next time.